THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Creators like longtime listener and friend of the show Carl Smith and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Achoo! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 519 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds! My name is Matt Bob. I'm tired already. Too bad. I am the internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, February 20th's new comics with spotlight reviews on Sharky, the Bounty Hunter number one, and High Level number one. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're up to no good as usual, but we will be revealing our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, Doom Patrol and the Umbrella Academy made their small screen debut. So kids, it's time for another damn edition of Nerd TV. But before we declare a fake ziggurat emergency because we've run out of thin mints, we better talk about this week's Nerd News. That was a good one. Yeah, it's shit serious. Do you run out of thin mints? You get pissed. Nerd news. The ziggurat is in crisis. I know. It's a crisis. Hulu has formed a new partnership with Marvel Television to create five new adult-oriented animated series based on Marvel characters. Told you. Told everybody. Said it. Called my shot. This news comes from Parade Magazine, which you may recall your grandparents reading from the Sunday paper. Oh, really? I thought it was Parade. But Parade. <laughs> I didn't know Parade Magazine was still a thing. What did I, I do with Parade? I didn't either. Maybe it's not the same Parade Magazine. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the series will be comprised of Howard the Duck, Hitmonkey, Modoc, and The Dazzler and Tigra Show. Oh, with boy. A fifth series titled The Offenders, bringing characters from all four series together. Filmmaker and comic book writer Kevin Smith and Aqua Teen Hunger Force co-creator Dave Willis will take on Howard the Duck, whose official description reads, Trapped in a world he never made, America's favorite fighting foul, Howard the Duck hopes to return home with the help of his unstoppable gal pal, Beverly, before the evil Dr. Bunk can turn him into the crispiest dish on the menu. I love Dave Willis. I am hesitant about Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. I, I, too, am hesitant about Kevin Smith. Meanwhile, writers Josh Gordon and Will Speck will tackle Hitmonkey, which is described as follows. Marvel's Hitmonkey tells the tale of a wronged Japanese snow monkey mentored by the ghost of an American assassin as he cuts a wide swath through the Tokyo underworld in this darkly cinematic and brutally funny revenge saga. As I recall, we had more fun with Hitmonkey than we ever planned on having. Um, I don't recall giving two shits about Hitmonkey, so no, your memory the, might be different. I feel like the first series was actually kind of fun, and then as Marvel does, they ran it like not only into the ground, but up your butt and around the corner. It was a spinoff of the Daniel Way Darede- uh, Deadpool, yeah. and yeah. Nobody, nobody likes that shit. I recall the first series being fun, but anyway, go on. All right, then the Dazzler and Tigra show will be written by Erica Rivenoja and Chelsea Handler. I think it's Rivenoja. Rivenoja, yes. Yeah. Here's the official description. 
In Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show, two woke superheroes and best friends, Tigra and Dazzler, fight for recognition among powered people who make up the eight million stories in Los Angeles. Okay, I am, I consider myself, like, to be a modern guy with modern ideas who is totally a feminist and on your side, but when you put shit, like, woke in your fucking... Yeah, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, don't solicit. Stop it. Stop don't, it. Don't so, don't self-refer as woke. It's, it's not good. It, no. But Chelsea Handler, they threw money at this. Yeah, well, yeah, here's the next one. Jordan Bloom and Patton Oswalt will develop MODOK, which carries the description in Marvel's MODOK. MODOK, an egomaniacal supervillain with a really big head and a really little body, struggles to maintain control of his evil organization and his demanding family. See, now I feel like Patton Oswalt showed up at Marvel and was like, hey, I heard you're doing some cartoons. I'm going to write a MODOK cartoon, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you can choose to air it or not. I'm just going to write it. Yeah, but I've already written it. Here's the full script. Uh, finally, Marvel Television's Jeff Loeb will executive produce The Offenders. I guess it's The Offenders. Yeah. Which brings characters from all four shows together. <sighs> a, a giant head, a monkey, a tiger lady, and a disco queen, and the duck brought together because no one else could but Marvel Television on Hulu. Yes, everyone knows about Hulu's storied past with Marvel Television. <laughs> they have one show. <laughs> well, it will be the place where you get your Marvel adult stuff now because it won't be at Disney. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think that this is a pretty big move, especially considering the uh, breaking news that Netflix has dropped the hammer on Jessica Jones and the Punisher. Go figure. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, exactly. Come be shocked. Here's the thing. It would be big news if it was one show. It would be big news if we just got Howard the Duck. Yeah. Or if we just got MODOK or we just got Tiger and Dazzler. Five goddamn animated shows at the same time. That's a lot. We don't know that it's going to be at the same time. Maybe it's going to be like they did with the Netflix shows where it's, you know, a couple a year. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But like they've told us that we're getting all of these and a team shows starring all these people as well. So I have a feeling it's going to be pretty close knit. They told us the same thing about the Netflix shows. Right. That that was all leading to the Defenders. No, that's true. That's true. And I want this to be great. This just seems like a lot. And it's a lot. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm a little it, scared. I'll be honest. I'm scared. This is a lot of animated cartooning. Now, maybe they're seeing like, look, we had a massive hit with Spider-Man in the like as an animated film in the theaters. And if we can do the animation well and we can make it funny, there's no reason why it can't be just as big as the Simpsons or just as big as a family guy, you know, and that's true. It's absolutely true. If they go completely bonkers with this and the animation is solid and it's funny, I'm in. I'm into all of these. And there's basically no rules. I think the reason I'm pretty optimistic about it is all of the talent involved. They got Patton Oswalt, Chelsea Handler, uh, Dave Willis, Kevin, even Kevin Smith. Say what you will about Kevin Smith's modern Uh, work. He's still a huge name. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. And so like, they're really going for it. Like we didn't, other than I guess when they announced, um, who was the guy? Uh, oh shit. Brian Fuller, the guy that co-created Hannibal. Oh, right. Right. Like he was the original, wasn't he the original showrunner of daredevil? No, that was star Trek. Oh, you're right. Um, it was David Greenwald, somebody who worked with him though on, on the Buffy shows. David Greenwald was this big name and he left after one season and he was the biggest name involved in those shows. 
Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big names attached. I just, I, if they're going to do this, I need them to just go completely buck wild nuts with it. And the names that are attached should be able to do that. Hulu is obviously going to be the place where we get your adult Marvel stuff. I think right. it's interesting that they are introducing that idea with cartoons. Well, Jeff Loeb also uh, but, on the on the day of the news that Punisher and Jessica Jones were canceled, Jeff Loeb put out a letter on Marvel.com uh, saying that you know this wasn't the end necessarily. Like, of course, of not. course, we of don't course know not. what that means. There's a lot of weird contracts involved about how like the Netflix people can't appear in superhero shows for two years. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, also like there's a check you can write to make that go away. Yeah. And then Spider-Man showed up in Captain America. So what do I know? (laughs) Exactly. So I'm not too worried about this. I I, want to be excited. This just seems like a lot all at once. We'll see how they spread it out. And you're right. They need to do it one than the other and slowly build up towards this thing. But again, this is also not, these are going to be 20 minute shows, probably half an hour tops, like 23 minute shows or whatever. So yeah. maybe you can do all this at once. I don't know. It's not like maybe. you're getting, I mean, I don't want them to don't flood us. Don't yeah. flood us. Don't flood us. That's all I ask. In comic book news, writer, Jerry Duggan and artist, Mike Diodato Jr. Everybody's favorite porn artist, Mike Diodato Jr. Will launch a new ongoing series titled Savage Avengers. Who, this wait, well, Mike Diodato Jr. is not a porn artist. Yeah, no, everything he draws is like people in like the throes. That's Greg Land, my dude. No, Mike Diodato does it too. Don't kid yourself. Everyone he draws is in the throes of orgasm. Everybody, right. okay. no matter what they're doing. <laughs> And the team's lineup features none other than Conan the Barbarian spinning out of Avengers No Road Home. Savage Avengers will take a deadly lineup of heroes into the Savage Land alongside Conan, who is set into the Marvel Universe by evil sorcerers while on a quest for a magical amulet. Here's your quote from Duggan. This is an unsanctioned team of heroes, Duggan told Entertainment Weekly. It has to be something that visually makes sense to you, and I think it does. Mike Diodato Jr. is illustrating this book in both worlds. We envisioned a threat, a magical green zone where the evil wizards of Conan's world are trading spells with a hand in Japan. Conan is on a very Conan-like mission. He's heard a tale of an amulet, so he's chasing it. And the evil magic sorcerers are doing something that would be a very Marvel Avengers problem. It feels like we have found some very fertile ground. That is a Venn diagram between those two worlds. Joe, do you buy this at all? No. On paper, it sounds terrible, right? Yes. Doesn't mean it's not going to be great. It just well, means on paper, this sounds silly. So Willie Toots, at best. Willie Toots had, had some thoughts about this. Uh, if, it's, if it's Conan dealing with this stuff in his own world that the Avengers also have to deal with in their right. own world. Yeah. That's one thing. If Conan comes to the modern day Marvel universe and joins the Avengers, that's a whole nother thing. Well, he's sort of joining the Avengers. He will be joined by Wolverine, your favorite yep. Avenger Savage. Venom. Yep. Another mm-hmm. one of your favorite Avengers, the Punisher. This all checks out. Everyone's favorite Avenger, Electra, Founding and, Avenger, Electra. Yeah, Founding Avenger, Electra. Yes, her and the Hulk started the team, right? Yeah, and uh, actually, an Avenger that I really liked, Brother Voodoo. Yes, he was an actual Avenger. So was Wolverine. Yes. To be fair, so was Wolverine. 
Duggan, who also writes Conan the Savage, who also writes Conan on the solo title Savage Sword of Conan, which I gave a massive buy at last week, says the team is one of the most deadly Avengers teams of all time. I mean, at least two or three of them carry swords or knives or something. Yeah, one of them eats people. I, they are, look, they're going to have to sell me on this one. They're really going to have to execute the hell out of this one. Because, like, yeah. remember when we got, like, when Jason, was it Jason? No, Rick Remender did Frankencastle, for example. Right, yeah. And we were all like, that is the dumbest idea I have ever heard. They're oh, gonna, I love Frankencastle. They're going to, yeah, but remember yeah. We, when they told us about it, we all went, mm, this sounds about as stupid as when Frank Castle became an angel and had angel weapons and shit. It turned out to be great. It turned sure, out right, to be yeah. so much fun. And this could be so much fun, but man, they are walking a razor's edge on this one. Yeah, you know, uh, the discussion the discussion in the fan group about this was pretty uh I'll say pessimistic to be fair. That's fair. Uh, and it That's is fair. fair. This is going to be very tough to pull off. If they it's pull just, it off, it'll be legendary. Part of me part of me thinks is part of me is like, man, Marvel's got their Conan license back and now they're going to just drive it into the ground just like we joked last week. Yeah. And then the other part of me says, look, man, read the stuff that's good. And if you don't like it or you don't care, then don't bother. Sure. And so far, they're two for two on Conan. And there's no, again, there's no reason this can't be great. It's just going to be a hard one to pull off. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like they're setting themselves up for future failure. <clears throat> I feel like they're setting themselves up for future failure. Like when the Transformers were set literally in the Marvel universe. Right. Like they met Spider-Man once and then they were <laughs> never able to mention it again. <laughs> or Rom even, right? They can't, they can't mention any time that Rom met the X-Men. Whatever. I don't want to talk uh, about that too soon. Uh, Savage Avengers is due out May 1st. We'll just see. in time for my wedding anniversary. Yep. We'll review it here. Yes. Just weeks before the first issue was set to debut, DC Comics has canceled orders for Mark Russell and Richard Pace's Jesus Christ satire series, Second Coming. In an exclusive interview with Sci-Fi Wire, Russell explains that he and co-creator Richard Pace knew the series, which was going to be published under the Vertigo imprint, was going to be pulled because they had requested to have the book's rights returned to them. In other words, it wasn't a shock. Yeah. They, the, they saw the writing on the wall. Dan DiDio, of all people, came to the creative team and said, look, man, they're going to ask you to make a lot of changes to this content, and it's not going to be the same book. Who are they? Uh, DC, like the heads. The hi- Dan DiDio the the is they, then. No, no, no. Higher up than Dan DiDio. He's the, publish- He's the co-publisher of DC Comics. We're talking about, like, the parent company. So, like, Jeff Johns is going to come up and be like, hey. No, Jeff Johns is no longer an executive at DC. Oh, that's right. So, Jim Lee. He's going to show up and be like, I'm not into it. No, not Jim Lee. <laughs> Here's a quote from Russell. So Bugs Bunny is going to show yes, up and be Bugs like, this, Bunny. Will, this shit will not fly. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't because of any displeasure with DC or their editorial staff. It was just that they wanted to push the release date back to some undetermined point in the future. And I had made some minor changes at their request, after which I was re- warned that requests for more significant changes would probably be on the way. So I decided I would rather keep the story intact and remain true to the original vision and get it into the hands of readers in a more timely fashion. Do it in image. Fuck it. Do it in image. If you own it, do it in image. If they want to be asked, Joe, look, 
We both know, and I'm not going to attack any. I'm not going to attack anybody. That's not what I'm doing here. We both know I'm an atheist. This is not my bag of hammers. But how come Christians can't have any fun? It's what not your cup. It's not your. It's not your cup of meat. Is why the, uh, can't Christians yeah. have any fun with this stuff? This is like if if Jesus Christ is as powerful as he is, then a comic book is not going to hurt him. Why right. can't we do this? This is not this is not that podcast, but uh, I can tell you that Russell said uh, if they had actually waited to read the book, they would have discovered that it's actually very pro-Christ. Right, uh, probably. It's more, but, but it's it's more like, about how Christ comes to Earth and sees humanity worshiping these superheroes and getting it all so wrong. And that if they had just waited to read the book instead of just immediately flipping into outrage mode. Of course. Uh, They would have realized. And we know Mark Russell. We've read several Mark Russell comics now. It's not like he's going to come out and have Jesus with a handgun, like show up and like murder people. I mean, obviously he's going to do something tongue in cheek and kind of funny and probably poignant. And I just, I don't get it. I don't understand this stuff. So, it was the so, same reason, like, I had the same discussion with friends of mine that were religious that couldn't read Preacher because they felt that it was offensive. And it's a fictional story. It is not saying, like, hey, the Bible doesn't exist. It's not rewriting anything. It's fiction. It's not going to hurt anybody. I Why mean, it, do we get so it is very critical of God and religion, but that's a whole, no, again, a whole nother debate. That's a different debate, but it's still fiction. That doesn't mean anything. People get offended by fictional things all the time. People can get offended by whatever they want. I agree. I also agree that it's ridiculous to get offended by whatever you want. Sit back, read the book, decide if there's something actually here or not, and then we can say, if Mark Russell fucked up, then Mark Russell fucked up. It sounds like Mark Russell didn't fuck up, but they got afraid he was going to. Or better yet, if you're offended by it or aren't interested in it, don't buy it. That's where I'm at. Leave it alone. Don't look (laughs) at it. It offends you. Don't look at it. The important thing here is that Russell said that there was no bad blood between him and DC. Everyone at Vertigo was behind it. And actually, Dan DiDio gets a lot of credit for these guys getting the rights back because getting the rights back to a creator-owned work, even if it's creator-owned, getting it back from Vertigo is a chore. Oh, yeah. And this went really smoothly. They knew that the book was not going to be as they originally intended it. And now they have it back and they have a chance to do it right. Can you think of any DC title that was handed back to the creators? I seriously can't. The boys. Was that D? Did that start at DC? Wildstorm. Yep. Oh, you're right. Wildstorm. Okay. But Wildstorm in and of itself was creator owned at the time. But I mean, Wildstorm was an imprint of DC and they were like, this is too much. We need to make a bunch of changes. It's too violent. It's too vulgar. And And they gave it back to, yeah, they gave it back to Ennis. Garth Ennis and and Derek Robertson got the rights back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, it's a shame. There was a ridiculous like petition and Fox News got all up in arms about it. Mark Russell said that you Christians, they can't have any fun. Mark Russell, Mark Russell said that DC was asking for content changes before that shit even broke. So he's not really giving any credit to the petition, but he does say that getting 200,000 
angry emails all at once is probably not a great experience. Send them to me. Send them to me. <laughs> Matt at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Steer them my way. That's not a real email address. I know. That's a funny part. <laughs> Send them my way. Leave Mark Russell alone. I will... I promise to answer every single one. Okay. You can read the entire sci-fi wire interview for yourself. It's pretty interesting situation. Uh, it is really a shame. The vertigo of today, this is the, the DC of today is so scared by anything more than PG. Like this is hilarious. This is the company that freaked the fuck out over the, slight shadow of Batman's penis. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just hilarious, because if you think, like, in the 90s, Vertigo did not give a shit. Right. You want to read, like, the craziest of the crazy, the most disturbing, like, shit that fucked me up as a kid? Go look at 90s Vertigo. And no one cared. Nobody batted an eye. You know why? Because we were tougher. We were tougher than these crybabies today, Joe. And in 2019, Preacher would not have been published by DC No, Comics. no way. They would have said, absolutely not. Too, it's, like, it's too hot. We can't touch it. Forget it. Sorry. Publish that shit at Image. It'll be a hit over there. That is your nerd news for the week, but I will bet we missed a ton of other stories while skinning woolly cave creatures to keep warm during this latest snowpocalypse. Eight to ten inches tonight. Can you I believe know. it? It's ridiculous. So hit us up on the THN Forums Big News section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It's sort of like sports talk for you nerds, but you control the content and insert hilarious joke here. Come on, you should be better at this by now. I'm not really great at improv, my It can my be dude. based on Christians, it can be based on... Uh, the snowpocalypse. All Come right, on, listen. Got tune in to cover to cover where, you, where you'll see that Christians can't have some fun. Huh? Weak. I, I, I disagree. But anyway. <laughs> Whatever. So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave us a message or you can send an MP3 to two at a nerd at gmail.com. Carl Smith posted on the fan page today or recently saying... I can never call in. You can literally call at any time. Why can he never call in? Is he busy all the time? He quit his job. Carl no, retired. he's got a job. He's got he a job. He does not have a job. Yes, he sits he around the house and he draws pictures all day. I don't think you even know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Cameron Lobrillo. I know that guy. <laughs> It is spotlight review time in the ziggurat where Joe and I upset internet trolls everywhere by reviewing two of this Wednesday's free thinking comics. Joe Patrick, you hold the conch so you get to go first. That is a literary reference. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Well done. For a question for a question of the week that will be revealed later. You want to see Lord of the Flies adapted into comics? <laughs> I mean, we kind of have. I we guess had so. Battle Royale and you sure, have Sure, all kinds of <laughs> <You> stuff. <know? laughs> This week, <clears throat> this week I'm reviewing High Level Number One from Vertigo Comics. It's written by Rob Sheridan with art by Barnaby Bagenda and Romulo Fajardo. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, Romulo. <laughs> Great <laughs> name, fucked, though. We fucked up your name. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of our thing. It's 32 pages for 3.99. Here is your solicit. Hundreds of years after the world ended and human society was rebuilt from scratch, a self-interested smuggler is forced to traverse a new continent of danger and mystery to deliver a child messiah to high level. Man, that's kind of a spoiler for like the very I, last page. I think I dated a self-interested smuggler once. Oh, I thought you dated a child messiah. 
I dated a child messiah too, but that was different. They were grown up. I'm not a pervert. A mythical city at the top of the world from which no one has ever returned. Don't miss the start of a new series from writer Rob Sheridan, co-creator of Nine Inch Nails' groundbreaking Year Zero alternate reality game. What? Remember that? No. Me me neither. (laughs) Is that a thing? I don't even know. Apparently so. And apparently- And Rob Sheridan was like, hey, 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 if you're going to mention me, be sure to mention my Nine Inch Nails themed groundbreaking Year Zero alternate reality game. (laughs) Here we are again with another title in Vertigo's troubled relaunch- I'm happy to report, though, that High Level is one for the win column. The series follows 13, a young sewer scavenger trying to build a life for herself in what passes for society. She's trying to keep one step ahead of the authorities while looking for her next big score. Rob Sheridan's script has a very Firefly feel to it, with settlers on the outskirts trying to eke out a meager existence in the shadow of an oppressive government. Meanwhile, there's a mythical city where citizens can aspire to go to find happiness. But where some see a chance for salvation, others fear something much more sinister. Sheridan does an excellent job setting up this world and 13's place in it. She's content where she is, rooting through shit for enough money to get by or credits or whatever the hell she's doing. Gross. Rooting through shit? She's rooting (laughs) through shit. So, of course, something comes along to set her on a path that will take her away from the home she knows on a quest that will likely get her killed. There's a lot of familiar sci-fi fantasy tropes at play here, but I think Sheridan plays with them really well, and I'm very interested in the world that he's created. Omega Men's Barnaby Bagenda is on art duties here, and his work is just outstanding. Yeah, he's so kick-ass. I love this guy. He's designed a run-down future world that looks completely believable. It's grimy and ramshackle, and yet still futuristic somehow. Similarly, his character designs invoke a bit of a Mad Max vibe with a dash of Blade Runner. There was no credits page in my copy, but thanks to the internet, I know that Romulo Fajardo... Fajardo. Sorry, sorry, Romulo. Romulo (laughs) Fajardo is responsible for this issue's vivid colors. He and Bagenda come together to produce some just truly spectacular visuals. I also want to give props to the letterer, whomever they are. Is it lettered by anonymous or what's the deal? There was no credits page in the copy, so I have no idea. Oh, oh. The word balloons aren't perfectly elliptical and they don't have the black stroke around them. So the stark white balloons kind of meld with the art and it's just really well done. As long as they're not square. I can't do square work. Me neither, dude. I fucking hate them. Up yours, English comics. (laughs) Or European comics, I guess. Vertigo is stumbling right now with their books mired in scandal or getting canceled before they've ever been released. But the old girl still got some life in her. If they can keep bringing surprising high-concept stuff like high-level to the stands, I'm all for it. I'm giving this a buy it. I'm with you. Vertigo has been reestablished, and we were very happy to have it back, but it hasn't established a personality yet? Like, I don't know that it knows what it's doing other than it's creator-owned. And well, I mean, you've never really been able to put Vertigo in a particular box. They always did no, all you, kinds of different stuff. You haven't, but there was definitely a time where the, you could look and be like, okay, that's a Vertigo book. I get it. I see what they're doing there. I sure. see the attitude is there. You know, the, this feels like a step in the right direction to me. This feels new. It feels fresh. It's, it's really well written. The art is fantastic. And it's stand alone. It's not bizarre just to be bizarre. It's just a good read. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, and it, I feel like a lot of Vertigo books are just trying to be weird right now. 
Right. Like House of Whispers, uh, which I kind of shit on last week. It's garbage. I'm sorry, but it's garbage. Uh, that, that book is trying so hard to be a Vertigo book. Yeah. That it's almost unreadable. Yes. And um, this doesn't feel like it's trying to recapture that Vertigo gold. It's just like DC went, we don't really have any other place to put this. Let's put it at Vertigo. And it, and it works. I very much enjoyed it. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I hope that they can take a note from this and stop trying to be what they used to be because you're not going to get that back and just be something new. Map bomb. Time for me to sort through some shit. Take us on a trip in your intergalactic ice cream truck, will you? All right, baby. This week I'm reviewing Sharky the Bounty Hunter, number one from Image Comics slash Millar World. I refuse to say Miller. Written by Mark Millar. With art by Simone Bianche. 32 pages. $3.99. Here's your solicit. Miniseries premiere! Does that really need to be in all caps? (laughs) You know, set in a brilliant new sci-fi universe, Sharky is a blue-collar bounty hunter who tracks criminals across the galaxy in his converted rocket-powered ice cream truck. Aided and abetted by his 10-year-old partner, he's out for the biggest bounty of his career. Your suggested soundtrack for this one is The Essential Jerry Reed by the man himself, Jerry Reed. Let's start by addressing the galactic bounty hunter in the room. Yes, Sharky very much reminded me of Lobo, and this could have easily been a Lobo story. Space bounty hunter, badass with a filthy mouth, likes to drink, gamble, spit, and love up the ladies. It's all there. Now, there's no space motorcycle, there's no chains, so he's not all Lobo. There's and no space f- dolphins. <laughs> and to be fair, Millar writes Sharky as a bastard with a bit of a heart of gold. One of the main reasons I chose to review this comic was artist Simone, Simone Bianchi. I love his work and have for years. Even when he was at his most Bianchi-est, like his X-Men work, which no one could say was bad, but wow, was it fucking weird. But that story was bad. <laughs> that Warren the story was bad. Box's story, not good. Not his fault. Here, Bianchi is more restrained than I think I've ever seen him. I mean, sure, we get weird aliens, crazy space cities, loose fluid panels, and all the other accoutrement you get from Simone Bianchi, but this was surprisingly mellow compared to his usual lunacy. I'll go as far as to say I think this is some of his best work, and it doesn't hurt that he's channeling Burt Reynolds in his sharky character design either. It's true. The story isn't anything new. Reluctant bounty hunter decides to help a kid after arresting his only relative to reveal he's not as tough as he carries himself. But it was a fun read. There's even a clever take on gender fluidity taken to a whole new level as one of the characters is going through the process of becoming a machine. And I don't mean a robot. I mean a goddamn vehicle. A truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this comic reads like Millar and Bianchi just having a good time. And I'm looking forward to more. The only problem is... But Reynolds is dead, and I don't think anyone else could fill Sharky's boots in the inevitable Netflix version. With that in mind, I'm giving this a buy it. I'm looking back over the art to see if I can, if I can see if there's any like real difference. I remember him having, I remember him uh, being more of a painter, but maybe I'm yeah. wrong about that. No, I mean he always did sort of like an ink wash thing this on looks, a lot of his art. This work, this art is a lot tighter. It, it looks Definitely. a lot more traditionally penciled and inked. Uh, I mean, the, the colors are definitely like fully painted, uh, but he reigned this in a lot. Yeah. It's like you said, it's, um, it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot easier to follow. He's always been very, very talented. Uh, I just think for a long time he was doing too much. 
and he realized I can dial it down. I can take it from a 10 to a seven and it's still going to be absolutely amazing without having to be so detailed. That I mean, you it, look might at the even, picture and go, it might not even be that. It might just be like the years have he's, he's, learned you know he's honed, he's honed his craft i just remember a time looking at his pages and saying to myself is that wolverine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do remember those days yes um but yeah i thought this was really fun like you said very very familiar um but uh, you know a lot of miller's uh, miller stuff plays with those same stupid tropes it's like it's yeah. batman but he's evil it's he loves that shit Superman, and that's what he, but and he's, he's great stupid, at it you know he really is great at it Right. Uh, and this, I, I liked the idea that Sharky was not like a cold hearted monster. And he, so he's not like low, he's not all the way to the end of the Lobo spectrum. Right. Um, I, I think it's a fun idea. I think the art is great. And I'm giving it a buy it as well. You know, Miller, go- Miller stuff, it's, it's real up and down. It's a real mixed bag. But I thought that this one was really good. Hot take. I will go as far as to say I don't think Lobo is relevant anymore. I don't think that character works. Like just, I, I mean, unless they do something different, I don't think the character has any relevance anymore. Boy, that is a hot take. That is a 25-year-old hot take. Yeah. So that is a double buy it for high level number one. And for Sharky the Bounty Hunter number one, we will post our written reviews over at Two-Headed Nerd. So bounty hunters everywhere know it was us who wrote it and where to find us. We all know that Matt isn't much for books without pictures. Reading for dorks! But he's got some serious Dewey Decimal work ahead of him after getting in a knockdown dragout fight with a Necronomicon in the THN library. That piece of crap had it coming! So Matt, time to get to sorting while we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Incursion, number one from Valiant. A deadly threat from across space and time is coming for the latest Geomancer and only the Eternal Warrior stands in the way of the oncoming horde. Andy Diggle and Alex Packneedle write this one. I we, told you so. There you go. And comics badass Doug Braithwaite handles the pencils with his usual amazing acumen. If this is four issues of the Eternal Warrior killing stuff with Braithwaite drawing, I'm fine with that. But it looks like Incursion is setting up for much more. I'm giving it a buy it. Anthem number one from Dark Horse. Another week, another video game tie-in comic, this time featuring BioWare's new multiplayer Iron Man shooter thing. That's a perfect description of Anthem number one. (laughs) Alexander Freed does a fine job with the script and BioWare's Mac Walters is even involved. But I'm just not that into the world that Anthem is creating. Nope. Eduardo Francisco's art is nice, but the mech stuff feels a little sterile to me. I'm sure there's an audience out there for Anthem. I'm just not really it. I'm giving it a skin it. I don't know, man. These one-dimensional, like, first-person shooter games don't make comics out of them. They're not made for that. They're made just to murder. I mean, look, Bioware games are known for their stories, so I'm sure that there's sure. a story there. It's just... This, this is... Now, this is Bioware cashing in on fucking Fortnite is all it is. Oh, my God. Wolfborn, number one from Scout Comics. Brian Middleton Jr. is a double threat behind Wolfborn, writing and drawing this fairy tale meets Hellboy story of a man and his cat chasing down a witch for mysterious reasons. Middleton uses beautiful animated black and white art with soft inking that provides nice depth to each creepy panel as the main character delves deeper into the cavern as blacks get thicker and the shadows grow longer. This was creepy fantasy fun in the vein of Hellboy with just a touch of Norse magic. I'm giving it a buy it. 
Age of X-Man, the amazing Nightcrawler from Marvel. The latest Number Age one. of... What? From Marvel. <laughs> Number one. From Marvel. Okay. The latest Age of X-Man tie-in features Nightcrawler, who in this world is the most famous man alive. Not only is he a member of the X-Men, but he's a huge movie star, creating huge blockbusters with the help of his co-star, Megan, from Excalibur. Remember her? There's two Gs, so I thought it was Megan or um, Megagan. I just always said Megan. <laughs> I think it's Megagan. Yeah, I think it's Megagan. And his all-mutant crew. I really like this idea, and writer Seanan McGuire does a fine job showing us the dark side lingering beneath Nightcrawler's world of glitz and glamour. I was really impressed with Juan Frigeri's art as well. The amazing Nightcrawler reveals another compelling piece of this broken utopia X-Man has created. I'm giving it a buy it. I can't believe how good these have all been. I know. It's just, wow. Crackdown, number one from Dynamite, speaking of video game tie-ins. Just in time for the poorly reviewed Crackdown number three to hit game consoles, Dynamite hits fans of the game with a comic to dry their tears. And that's about all it's good for. Now, I'm not blaming the creators here, as I don't know how anyone would write a compelling story about this game of first-person super cops massacring criminals, but I will give them some blame for the terrible macho dialogue. I'm just going to read you a little portion of what's going on in Crackdown, and I, I think you'll get the rest. Our main target is Zero Lux. They started as an anti-technology cult-worshipping dirt, and the Breeze are some hippie shit. But the bastards escalated their M.O. in recent months. New leadership, new purpose, new attitude. Move their operations from the outskirts to the city center. So who are we to go head to head and boot to ass? We're agents! Like, give me a goddamn I mean, break. That is crackdown, though. <laughs> to I be perfectly get it. fair. With the meanest motherfuckers to haunt the streets of one of the world's largest cities? Question my fuck off. God. You don't need to make this. And I'm not blaming the creators. It's a dumb game. It's a dumb comic. Leave it. The, listen. The, okay. The art by Ricardo Jamie wasn't bad. Or Jaime. And it sort of had like an old school top cow kind of thing. But this was stupid. Leave it. Uh, <laughs> Crackdown 3 is actually quite fun. Uh, and every once in a while, Mike, I picked the Terry Crews character. It's really poorly reviewed. Um, it's because it's a very old-fashioned game. It's it's yeah. not it's not very modern, but it's more Crackdown, which is great because Crackdown is a blast. We'll get into this on Crackdown. But cast, listen, okay? I just like Terry <laughs> as Terry Crews is jumping from roof to roof. He will occasionally say, "Fuck you, gravity." <laughs> it's the best. Hulk Marines, number one from Marvel. Look, man, I get it. This whole idea of a Hulk with Wolverine claws is beyond stupid. Is this more of the Weapon H? Weapon thing? H, baby. Okay. But Greg Pak really sells it. Weapon H is better than it has any right to be, and a crossover between him, the real Hulk, and Wolverine should follow suit. Oh Plus, the leader is here, and who doesn't love that guy? Is this happening in continuity? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We Weapon H is an ongoing series. This is a, okay. a miniseries. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm. Uh, artist Ario Enendito kills it with his gritty, creepy art. All the camera angles are kind of skewed, and there's like weird close-ups to people's faces. Ugh. You may be lost a, a little bit if you aren't reading Weapon H, but Hulk Vereen's number one is big, stupid, fun. I'm giving it up. Buy it. Stronghold number one from Aftershock. There's huge world building going on here that reminded me of late 80s sci-fi comics like Camelot 3000 and Strike Force Moratory, probably because it's written by that super old guy, Phil Hester. 
Imagine if Superman was some sort of cosmic religious figure and there was a secret society on Earth protecting him and you've got Stronghold. That and this Superman doesn't know he's Superman and isn't afraid to murder the hell out of people. <laughs> if you've wondered what it would look like if Brandon Anderson and Mark Buckingham drew people getting pulled apart, you're going to love this comic. Ryan Kelly is excellent in art here. I am giving Stronghold a huge buy it. This was fun. Wolverine, Infinity Watch, number one from Marvel, Joe's must-read Pick of the Week. <laughs> Remember when Wolverine showed up in Marvel Legacy with an Infinity Stone? And then when he showed up again with no memories and no Infinity Stone? And then when he showed up really old but possessed by the Phoenix Force? And how they said that this book would make sense of everything that's happened since he died and came back? Yeah, well, you can forget it. This is just another piece of Jerry Duggan's unsolvable Infinity Wars puzzle that tries to explain things in ways that don't make any sense. I feel so bad for Duggan. Like, he's just trying to dig himself out of this hole now. But he just keeps digging deeper and deeper. I just don't get it. And it offers no real justification for why Wolverine would be involved in any of this bullshit in the first place. Andy McDonald's art is really nice, though. Leave it! Zazax says your ludicrous speed round, and Zazax is not the electronic dude that fights the Hulk, but he is the sound of Roadblock getting sliced by Buzzer's diamond tooth chainsaw, as seen in the pages of G.I. Joe, Sierra Muerte. Number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by at Form of Water via Twitter. Fun fact, Buzzer's real name is Dick Blinken. That's right. That. Probably why he turned out to be a bad guy. He got the shit kicked out of him <laughs> on the playground. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can carve it into us with your chainsaw, or you could just, you know, be a nice guy about it and shoot it to any of our social media or shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. This is far and away one of the coldest winters we've spent in the ziggurat, and now that Groundhog Day has come and gone, it seems there's no end to this freezing hell. So Matt and I are setting in for a long winter's nap down in the warmest part of our temple, the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. We've lit the fire and laid out the exotic furs. The mole men are ready to rub down our dry skin with oils extracted from horrors of the deep caverns. Ooh. Matt... I've heard the best way to stay warm in these extremes is to get naked, cuddle up, and talk about our must-read picks for next week. It's true! That's why I'm picking Punk's Not Dead, London Calling, number one, from IDW, and their Black Crown imprint. It's written by David Barnett, with art by Martin Simmons. It is 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. I'm going to go all British. Please, just bear with me. This is not I'm, racist. I'm ready. Oi! Teenage Greek Fergie Ferguson and his BF Sid, the ghost of a punk rocker whose only Fergie can see or hear, are on the lam for a murder they didn't exactly commit. They've made it to London, but on their tail are the police, the quirky paranormal investigation agency, <laughs> the Department of Extra Usual Affairs, and some really freaky magpie monsters. So there's not much time for sightseeing, but Fergie tracks down his long-absent father to get answers about his powerful new abilities. Sid calls them psychic grenades. This is too long to do it the whole time. D-F-E-U-A's old school mod super spy Dorothy Culpepper and her sensible young partner Asif Beg uncover evidence that links Fergie 
to the underworld. Fergie's mom, Julie, and is not a girlfriend, Natalie. What? I think, this, I feel like you have so to read long? this. You have to read this in British, right? Also yeah. join forces to save Fergie from life in prison. But with a psychopathic serial killer showing an interest, everybody might soon be running out of time. How does any of this connect to a visually searing three-chord apocalypse? I don't know. Never mind the bollocks! Another season of the critical darling Punk's Not Dead is here with endless pints of anarchy and social distortion. Social distortion is actually an American band, but whatever. Punk's Not Dead, London Calling, is a five-issue miniseries written by... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I loved the first Punk's Not Dead. I cannot wait for more. Black Crown is the vertigo we deserve. It is better than the Burger Book stuff. I love the Black Crown imprint. You're absolutely correct. This is the longest solicit ever written. (laughs) Like, if there's more than this in the book, the book better be 60 pages long. Yeah, right. There is also a kick-ass variant cover by Raphael Albuquerque. Love that, dude. I do, too. Joe Patrick, what's your pick for next week? I'm I'm so glad you asked, man. (laughs) My pick for next week is Amazing Spider-Man number 16 from Marvel Comics, written by Nick Spencer with art by Ryan Otley. Those guys are still going. It's it's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. The road to hunted begins here. The biggest Amazing Spider-Man story of the year starts next month, so don't miss this prologue. The Craven thread gets woven into Spider-Man's life in a terrifying way that puts Spidey on the road to ruin. Is Craven back? Craven's back, baby. I, I love was- a good Craven the Hunter story, and this is the start of the next big Craven epic. He's hunted. been dead for a long time, hasn't he? He came back a while ago in oh, Dan Slot's run. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought that was his son. There have been multiple Craven children, yes. Okay. But for reals, Craven it did come back. Okay. For uh, reals, yeah. Craven. Got it. For reals, Craven, yeah. I love me a good Craven story. He's the most ridiculous Spider Man villain. I can't wait. The THN Trade of the Week goes Long Road to Liquor City, the graphic novel. I love that title. From Oni Press, it's written by Macon Blair with art by Joe Flood. It's 160 pages for $19.99. That's a pretty good fucking deal. Yeah, it's a nice size. Here's your solicit. From filmmaker Macon Blair, who did Blue Ruin. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Which I've I never think heard a, of either one of those. That was a Netflix thing. And artist Joe Flood of science comics comes a great depression era adventure comedy about friendship, the open road and the pursuit of happiness as jaunty hobos, Jed and Thanny crisscross the country in search of fabled liquor city. They're pursued relentlessly by the fearsome rail yard bull Sergeant Ronan old feathers. God, that name is good. (laughs) (laughs) Who wrongly blames the boys for his wife's death. Fleeing old feathers and his posse, they encounter a succession of colorful characters along the way. Some are underdogs, fellow misfits. The boys end up doing right, even if only by accident. Some are greedy and cruel bullies that the boys make a headache for because they don't appreciate being pushed around or anyone who's doing the pushing. The only constant is the absurdity and mayhem they leave in their wake. Let me tell you something. I love hobos. (laughs) <laughs> that idea of golden age dust bowl hobos yeah, who yeah. are just like, ah, fuck it. The world's going to hell. I don't care. I'm going to jump on a train, play my guitar, stab people with my hobo knife. You know, <laughs> I was just reading, uh, I was just reading, uh, David Sedaris and he has a story 
about him dressing as a hobo every year for Halloween because it's easy and he was lazy. <laughs> and then he talks about how, how great hobos are, how they're not tragic because hobos are homeless by choice. Yes. Hobos are the coolest. Yeah, right. They really are. And there's like this thick hobo like history and culture and mythos out there. And anytime somebody does like there was that rock candy mountain book. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that the guy that does Sex Kyle, Castle did. Kyle Starks, yeah. Kyle Starks did, and we loved it. It was so great. Oh, man. Uh, I, th- this sounds wonderful. I like a good hobo story. Oh, man. So there you have our picks for Wednesday, February 27th, but we want to know what you nerds are reading, too. So after your nude survival cuddling, let us know what you plan on reading next week or hit us up on any of our social networking platforms. And unless you want to experience a shrinkage like you've never seen, make sure all your picks are added to your pull file. Yeah, because your pull file will shrink. All right? I yeah, know I get it. Yeah, I don't, it's yeah. not about anything else. No, I don't know what you perverts were thinking. Let's yeah. talk. I know it seems like we've been doing a lot of nerd TV reviews lately, but... There's been too many damn comic books coming to the small screen. We are smack dab in the middle of a ding darn comics TV golden age. And today on the show, we are talking Doom Patrol and the Umbrella Academy. Joey, I want you to start us off. We've got one episode of Doom Patrol under our belt. Was it just as weird as you had hoped? It was pretty freaking weird. It was fucking weird, man. Yeah, uh... So, Doom Patrol technically is spinning out of DC's uh, Titans series, though you don't really need to know anything about that. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, kind of. They first appeared in the fourth episode of Titans. It's what introduced all the characters. However, they recast the chief. Yeah. Uh, The original chief was some guy I'd never heard of, and now it's Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Former James James Bond. That's tough. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, when we originally cast it, it was just nobody, and now it's... Timothy Dalton. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. He's a pretty famous guy. <laughs> yes, he is. You can go the other way and be like, well, we couldn't get Timothy Dalton back. And we'd be like, all right, we get that. Sure, right. <laughs> He's expensive. Tim's got uh, stuff going on, I'm sure. Uh, the series revolves around a group of uh, tragic characters that were granted abilities by freak accidents. Uh, you've got Robot Man, whose body was destroyed in a car accident, and his brain was placed in a robot body. Uh, a lasty woman who in, got infected by something when she fell into a river. I, that was unclear. Well, I think and it's, now, and I now think she it's an can't alien control thing. her shape. What? Yeah, I think it's an alien thing. Maybe. Like they, they have changed. Everybody knows who the Doom. Look, I assume if you're listening to this, you have a pretty good idea of the Doom Patrol is. If you don't, look up the Maybe Doom Patrol. Maybe not. Look, there's only four characters, so let me finish. All right, fine. You've got uh, Negative Man, who was a test pilot in the 60s, uh, who... Who did, like, he flew, like, basically into space, right? Up into the atmosphere. He was basically was Buzz Aldrin. But he was what if- by some sort of cosmic force and crashed to Earth where he uh, burned alive. Yeah, what if Buzz Aldrin was, like, the Fantastic Four but possessed by an alien? Right. And then you've also got Crazy Jane, who uh, they call uh, the chief's daughter. She has 64 different personalities, each one with a different superpower. So, basically, she's Legion. So- our favorite parts of the Doom Patrol, at least my favorite Doom Patrol, is the super weird, crazy, crazy 
Doom Patrol we got in the 90s from Vertigo. The Grant Morrison Doom Patrol. Right. And I was very concerned when they announced this TV show that they were going to dumb everything down. And they didn't. They kind of leaned into it a bit. I mean, this is much closer to a later Doom Patrol that we saw. Uh, I want to say early 2000s. It was Tang and Huat drew it, and I can't remember who wrote it. Oh, um, John Arcudi, I think. I think it was. I think you're right. I think it was John Arcudi. But the weirdness was still very much there. At first, I didn't care for the robot man suit. And I thought like, oh, uh, I love that. It's so shitty. I well, love that. It's so clunky. That's a thing. I was like, oh, am I really going to watch it like this the whole time? But then it grew on me and I realized this is exactly what it should look like. Right. This is if they're going to do it like they did it in the comics. This is exactly what Cliff should look like, you know, like trapped in this robot body. And I liked that. They also like leaned in the fact that like he was a shithead. He was a bad person. Oh, yeah, he was. He was bad. And he was the second he tried to make good. He killed his family. <laughs> you know, like, right, it's, yeah. like this is a, this that's, is a tragic character. They're leaning into all this. That was actually a lot. That's a lot more tragic than his actual. Yeah. Origin in the comics. What they hint at in the show is that he gets hurt during the race. Right. And that's how it is in the comics. But this added another layer to make it even more tragic. I love the fact that all of these characters are basically broken. Like they, none of them can control their abilities. Well, and we should, we should mention that Brendan Fraser is playing robot man. He's so good. And he looks like the man that ate Brendan Fraser. He's not aging very well. (laughs) Well, some of that may have been for the show. I don't know. It could be, it could be. And that's fine. I have nothing against him, but he's great. Like just for basically voice acting. If nothing else. And there's someone in a costume we, and he is voice acting the same, the whole thing. We do, we do He's get to wonderful. see Brendan Fraser as pre-accident Cliff Steele. Yeah. Uh, in, in the same way that we get to see Matt Bomer, uh, who is perhaps the most handsome man on earth. Yeah. Uh, as Larry Trainer before his crash. I love the negative. And we will probably so never much. see. We will probably I, never see those guys again. No, they're basically voice acting at this point. Uh, and which is killing fine. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. I'm glad that they showed up. I'm glad that they were there to kind of um, set up who these characters are. Um, Elasta Woman is perhaps the most different from the comics. In the comics, she can grow and shrink. Right. It's very like comic booky style powers. Here, her body is like, uh, it's like a gelatinous mass that she can barely hold together in human form. Right. And when she gets emotional, she loses control and turns into like this terrifying blob. And I feel like she will get to the point where she is a last woman and they're, they're illustrating that like right now she's out of control. Right. And the more she works at it and they, and they very much went into that too, where like they went a little more X-Men with it, where the professor is going, wants to work with them and wants to help them and wants to teach them to be who they need to be. Whereas like in the comics, they were just like, you're these doomed heroes in this weird situation, right? Deal with it. You know? And And they just did. They also really did a good job of hinting at, uh, there was more of this in Titans. Um, in the Titans episode, but they really did a great job of hinting at the fact that the chief, while he does seem to be acting to actually help these people, he's a control freak. Yeah. He's got his own secret agenda. Yes. 
and uh, he does not like to be disobeyed, and which it's is kind of it's a very sinister feeling. That's but that's definitely something that Morrison touched on. And yeah, his, yeah, it's straight right. out of the comics. The chief yeah. is not really a great dude. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely shady, and there's definitely shit going on there. With only the first episode up under my belt, it started off a little strange. Like it did some things where like there's nudity in this. There's yeah, very adult was, situations in this. It this was is, R-rated for this sure. This is DC going full on adult. And I got to say, I very much enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to touch on the fact that the episode is narrated by Alan Tudyk uh, from Firefly. Right. Who plays... Mr. Nobody, the villain, uh, who was given some sort of crazy reality altering powers by a Nazi mad scientist. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> and again, a slightly different Mr. Nobody from the oh, comics. Well, yeah, of course. But I very much like this Mr. Nobody. <laughs> I do too. And like the, the episode was very self-aware. Like as he's narrating, he's breaking the fourth wall, talking yeah. to the viewer. And he's like, Another show about superheroes. Yeah. Black. Aren't it's you great. tired of this shit yet? Yeah. Uh, the, the very end where he's like, the superhero team that no one but everyone saw coming finally <laughs> got together. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a line at the end where um, Timothy Dalton asks who he's talking to. Yeah. And he says something to the effect of Grant Morrison fans, something, something comic book nerds and the three people that subscribe to the DC service. <laughs> uh, it's so great. He does a wonderful job. I'm very excited for this show. It was so good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Definitely a watch it from me. Moving right along, Joey, we had another premiere, Netflix's Umbrella Academy. The first in Gerard Way's Massive takeover of Netflix, as was reported. We'll be getting the fabulous Killjoys next. And uh, after Is that a that, thing? No, I was kidding. It oh. was Mark Millar. How yeah, it was happen? Mark Millar, yeah. I don't want to see anything else from Gerard Way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean. I really I, like the Umbrella Academy. I, I love it. I take more Everything of the Umbrella else Academy. Is, it's illegible. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so how do we feel? We thought that this one was going to be the hardest one to pull off. Doom Patrol. I mean, arguably difficult, but you can do that sort of like wacky, you know, uh, ragtag group of heroes. This one is a little more difficult. Yeah, uh, I really loved it. I I watched the whole season uh, over the weekend. Uh, I I thought it was fantastic. I I loved the cast. I loved the uh, effects. Um, That CGI chimp was amazing. (laughs) Pogo? Pogo, yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been years since I've read the comics, uh, so I wasn't 100% sure how closely it was uh, following the plot or if they were deviating. It seemed to me that they were kind of taking from both volumes. Yes, they are. Uh, it, from the first two volumes. There's definitely some stuff, and like we talked about that, like when they were going to do this, how are they going to do it? Are we going to see like some setup of the team? Are we going to see them as kids? And they're sort of borrowing the flashbacks from the first one as the kids come back to, you know, greet their dead father, which this is not a spoiler. He dies like in the first five minutes of the show. So, and they sort of mix it with some stuff that happened from the second one as well. And the timeline, a little loose, but it didn't bother me at all. No, no. Um, I, I thought it was nice that it wasn't like a slavish adaptation. Um, oh, definitely. Because I think that that stuff about um, about number five, about what happened to him, I think a lot of that comes from 
uh, Dallas, which was the second series. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the, the, well, I don't want to spoil too much. No, I'm not going to say bro- what happened. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm just saying. The brother that vanished. We'll right. say that. Uh, the, oh, and the kid that played number five was fantastic. He really is. He was uh, so good. Aiden Gallagher. He is, yeah. Wow. He's wonderful we did it. in that role. We got there. <laughs> so good. Uh, everybody they cast in this. David Castaneda was really great in his role. Tom Hooper as Space Boy, Luther. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I thought so good. And I liked that they weren't all like none of these are super recognizable except for Ellen Page. Yeah. Uh and she was phenomenal. I thought she did an excellent job as Vanya. Um Hargreaves, uh, like I loved him and I hated him. Yeah. Uh, th- this was like the Royal Tenenbaums of superhero shows. It I loved that kind of feel, that kind of quirky it definitely off, was. off kilter yeah. feel. And just really, really good casting. Cameron Britton, who plays at Hazel, he was also in Mindhunter, and he plays Ed Kemper, the psychopath that, like, cut his mother's head off and had sex with it. He is so fantastic as Hazel in this. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Hazel and Cha-Cha. Mary J. Blige uh, plays Cha-Cha. They uh, they are... uh, Which I did not see coming. I don't want to say anything about what they are. I was watching it and I didn't even recognize her. And Casey goes, is that Mary J. Blige? And I went, oh my God, it is Mary J. Blige. (laughs) So we never thought we would see Mary J. Blige with swords murdering people. (laughs) Oh, she kicks all kinds of ass. (laughs) She's great. She's got some amazing fight choreography. Uh, She's doing flips and kicks and jumps. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the tone of it was like, it's a superpower show, right? It's a comic book show, but it's not like... It's darker in tone, and it should be. The book was darker in tone. The book was about these children that never had the love of a father, basically. Right. And some of them looked up to him, and some of them blame him for who they are. And in the end, they are the only family they have, and they kind of don't even know where they came from. You know, it's darker in tone. I'm sick of reading reviews that liken it to the X-Men, because this is not the X-Men. And that is just lazy reviewing. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, but I mean, if you want to say, oh, they're kids when in they a, in got, a larger their, sense, you know, yeah, like a, a group of misfit kids with powers. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's got it's got familiar tropes. Sure, but maybe. But, but I I'm but, not going to read another bad review because this wasn't as fun as the X Men. It's oh, not yeah, supposed no, no. to be. This is a dark story, and right. I so far the imagery is great, and like you said, they're not slavishly tied to the story itself. They can't be if they're doing both chapter one and chapter two sort of in this first series, they can't be slavishly tied to it right. because there isn't any more. <laughs> so well, I mean, there's a third volume that's still in progress, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I really enjoyed it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pull myself away from it. I binged it in, in a couple of days. Um, I really want more. It ends on a really crazy cliffhanger. Uh, and so I'm very curious to see if it gets picked up for a second season. Cause I want to see how they get out of it. Um, yeah. And normally they announce that stuff really fast. I, it would surprise me if Netflix doesn't since they've lost so much Marvel stuff. I think they want to maintain that foothold yeah. on comic book properties. So it would really surprise me if they don't pick this one up. Now with that said, again, I did my random sampling of people at work, my everyday people. And I'm like, who's watching the umbrella Academy to a man. Everyone said, what's that? <laughs> 
And then a couple of them were like, oh, yeah, that's that new superhero show that's on Netflix. Do I need to watch all the other Marvel shows before I watch this one? Oh, yeah, no, it's not going to And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not a Marvel thing. And it, it, that's the thing that we don't think about. As it being as deep into this as we are, obviously, we look at it and go, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. But average Joe on the street goes, wait a minute, how do they know Daredevil, you know? Sure, right, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is a weird one, and we'll see how people take to it. I think when they watch it, they will like it. But... I. I I hope that fans of the comic will enjoy this because I yeah. think it's a good adaptation. And it's just scary because Netflix can be kind of a bottomless pit of content. And so I just true. hope this yeah. doesn't, I hope this doesn't get lost in that pit because it's a genuinely good show. I'm giving it a huge watch it. Same here. I really enjoyed myself. It's a watch it from me. Excelsior. Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 519. Before we get out of here, Joe Patrick asks these nerds a new, well, Sort of new. Question of the week. It's a it's a question of the week. This week's question comes from Trevor via the THN forums, but I've put my own bonus little stank on it. Gross. Yeah, sorry. Hey, nerds, reading is fundamental, so let's get literary. There are currently a whole slew of films and TV shows based on popular books. Amazon's Lord of the Rings and the Wheel of Time shows. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve's Dune. Uh, any possible Stephen King book Hollywood can get their paws on, etc. But there can always be more. What book or book series would you want to see adapted or readapted that's not already in the works? And my special bonus question is, what book or book series would you want to see adapted into comic book form? Man, so, that's a tough one. That is so tough. Trevor, Trevor's just asking in a general sense. Do you want to see like a... Do you want to see a... a an updated movie of Grapes of Wrath for, or something, for example. You mean comic book? No, he's just asking in a general sense. A- adaptations. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, I'm gotcha. saying specifically, what book or book series do you want to see made into comics? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Hey. <laughs> if you're new to this show and you want this hour of your life back, too bad. There's nothing you can do about that. But I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough of this garbage. The good news is... You can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But I'm slowing down so Joe Patrick can find someone I'm re- to I reference. I'm ready. Okay, cool. Hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Charles James, who has faithfully been donating uh, via our old PayPal link for what a, what a years guy. Now. Damn. And he has two first names. Charles James. There you go. Thanks, Charlie Jimmy. Thanks, Chucky Jim. (laughs) Chucky Jim. (laughs) Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our old pal, Phil Hester. If you didn't have enough reasons to love the guy, he's been auctioning off amazing art pieces in order to help fund a loved one's cancer treatment. It looks like the auctions are over for now, but I will put a link to Phil's Twitter in the show notes so that you can catch any future announcements. Word to you, buddy. You are one of the good ones. Yeah, he acts real tough and hard to approach, but he's just a big cuddly bear, you know? So he just wants to... He's a big old cuddly bear. He just wants to kiss you. Until next time, true believers! Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just show up at your house with a couple of big cuddly bears, if you know what I mean. Hey. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. <laughs>